Come on, are you grateful for the presence of God today? You know, I think um, there's something powerful about really declaring that truth because it's one thing to praise God when everything's good. And a lot of times that's our posture. You know, in fact, a lot of times I think we feel that God's presence is with us when we don't have problems. You know, that's when we're on top of the mountain. That's when we can sense that God is there. If I could just tell you, I actually think the opposite is more true. I believe that oftentimes it's when you're in the lowest place. It's, it's, we think that the, the God's presence must mean the absence of problems. It's actually, I think, the opposite. I think if there's anything that God would, would maybe want to encourage someone with today, it's that if you feel like your life is, is hard right now, you just feel like, man, I feel pressure from every side. I'm fighting a battle that is it's overwhelming. Can I just give you some good news? God draws near to the brokenhearted. That sometimes the place where you will feel God the most is in the place where you hurt the most. And I'm just so grateful that God will meet us. He wants to be there when you can celebrate the great things. He wants to meet you when you're feeling pain in the bottom. I'm grateful for that. Hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad to have people in the room today. Hey, I just want to, if you're uh, tuning in from online, we just greet you uh, all over the, the country, maybe the globe. And, uh, you know, here in Ohio, it's cold, but there's no snow right now. And so we're in church. And last week we had to cancel because of inclement weather. So I'm grateful there's people in the room today. And I know I'm, I'm so grateful for all of you that are tuning in. I believe that God has a message for you today. I believe God wants to bring something into our lives today if we would just open ourselves up to him. You know, we started off last week talking about stimulus and how all of us are so kind of like hoping maybe that that we're going to get a stimulus, a favor from the government. And what we talked about last week, and I believe this wholeheartedly, is that I would rather walk continually in the favor of God than to just get a favor from our government. I'll take both, but if you ask me which one's better... I'm just going to tell you, and I believe that we can actually operate our lives, every area of our lives, including our finances, in a way where we can invite God and his blessing and a supernatural stimulus into our lives. It's not to get rich. Please hear me. This is my heart. But it's so that we can find freedom, so we can live the life that God intends for us to live. And so today, I just, my prayer is that you just open up your heart. I don't care if you've been in church for 15, 20, or 30 years. This is your first day. I just want to invite you. Would you open up your heart and say, God, if you're real, God, would you show up? Would you speak to me? Would you do something in me? Would you just bow your heads and just allow me to pray and lead us as we pray and invite God's presence? God, we come to you now ready to receive the word that you have for us. God, I believe that there is a, a power and an anointing when your word goes forth. And so I pray for God, every ear to be opened, every mind ready to receive every heart, God, in a posture of saying, God, what do you have for me today? I pray, God, that you would break through barriers that have been in our mind for so long. God, help us to see you in a new way today. Lord, we're grateful to gather, whether in person or online. We believe, God, that you are real and that you are in our midst right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Come on, can you give him praise one more time? Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. It's an honor to be able to preach to people in a room. I do love it. I really do. So thank you for coming today in person. And I am grateful for every person that tunes in online. And, uh, you know, the thing, if you're new, I just want you to understand about our church, the way we think. Uh, We really believe that when you follow Jesus that you don't add something to your life that you feel like has been missing. I know a lot of times that's what it feels. But what you actually are doing is submitting to allow him to rearrange every area of your life. It's not like I'm just going to add God to my world, but it's me saying I want God to rearrange my world. I want him to rearrange my, my marriage. I want him to rearrange my mind, my spirit, and my finances. And what's interesting to me is that 
as you look at living in America, and that's where we are, if you're watching this from around the globe, I, I have an American context. And what's interesting is that most Americans, I'm not going to say all, but most, okay, so I'm talking to the majority here. Most Americans live better than 90% of the rest of the world, financially speaking, lifestyle. Most Americans live and operate in that top 10%. I would imagine I'm talking to a lot of people in the top 5% of wage earners in the world. We live one of the most, if I can use this word, blessed lives that you can live an opportunity in this country, in this world, I mean. We do, we get that, and I love that. But what's interesting to me is that even though we are more blessed than maybe a majority of the world, we are living constantly stressed, constantly anxious about money. Do, do you see this a little bit of, a, of an oxymoron? Like, how is it that we can have so much and yet feel so much stress? How is it that in, when it comes to our lifestyle that we can live so comfortable, but we can be so uncomfortable all the time in it? Why is it that we are so preoccupied with money, but at the same time, we are so miserable when it comes to our lives. And I would argue that God actually has a better way for us to live. If what I just described is how you feel, can I just tell you God has a better way for us to live? That God does not want us to live under the weight and drown of anxiety, depression, despair, when it comes to something like operating our finances. I really believe that God has better for us. And so when we say, God, I surrender my life to you, we're saying, God, would you rearrange every part of my life? Now, the goal in this series, Stimulus, is not to kind of figure out, okay, how do, how do we get just more from God? Okay, I do believe that God desires to bless people who honor him and people who follow him. I see that all throughout scripture. Last week, we even talked about how God's blessings are conditional. His grace is unconditional. Okay, but, but here's what I would say is, is our goal. If you want to experience that same kind of freedom in your finances, here, here's what my goal is for all of us, is that we could put our finances in order. What, what we feel when we feel tension in our financial situation, when we're, there's not ever enough, or when you're arguing and fighting all the time, what we feel in that tension, can I just tell you, is an indication that actually it's out of control. You know that when your life is out of control, it brings anxiety. It brings despair. It brings worry when your life is out of control. That, that's why, like, in a courtroom, whenever in a courtroom, right, it gets chaotic and everybody starts talking over each other, what does the judge do when he hits his gavel? He says what? Order in the court. Because wherever there is order, there's peace. If there is any area of your life, let me just say this, that feels chaotic. If there's any area of your life where, where you feel overwhelmed, if there's any area of your life, it could be in your career, it could be in a relationship, it could be your mental, it could be whatever, I would suggest there's a good chance that something is out of order. Something is not in the right sequence. Listen, what I'm trying to say is this, that order matters more than we realize. You realize that, right? Order does matter more than you could ever imagine. We don't think about the order of things all the time, but they do matter. And I, and I can prove this to you. Um, when you get ready in the morning, you always do things with the same order, don't you? I just want you to think about it. I, I have this order. In fact, we have done it so many times in a specific order, let's be honest, that we don't even think about it anymore. It's like your, your brain has mapped a, a highway to, to know how to get ready every morning. And you don't even think about how you get ready, but I get ready the same order the same way every single morning. Like, I don't know if, if you guys have an order. Does anybody have an order in the shower? You have an order like in the shower? It's all different. I, I have an order in the shower. It's body, hair, face. 
Body, hair, face, that's my order, body, hair, face. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you do hair and let the shampoo sit for a while, then do body, face, rinse, I don't know. I do body, hair, face. I don't know what your order is. I probably gave you too much information, but that's, that's, that's my order. There's an order when you get ready, and we don't even think about it, but it is important. Because if you change the order, half of the time, you, you won't be able to even get ready. Like, I want you to think about this. If you decided that you were gonna do your hair before you got in the shower, it wouldn't work that well. Or if you decided you're gonna put your shoes on before you put your socks on, it doesn't work that way, right? Because what we understand deep down inside is that there is an order to everything that we encounter. Why? Because I would argue God created order. From the very beginning of creation, God put everything together with order. There's an order to how our world operates. There's an order. There's boundaries. There's an order to the ocean and the way the waves ebb and flow and keep within their boundary. That's order. If we didn't have order, we'd have chaos in our world. The way our earth revolves around the sun at a certain distance, there's an order to that. There's an order to communication. You know that in the English language, Okay, I can't speak for all languages, but order matters, does it not? Like if I said to you, the cross rode the chicken, you, you would look at me funny like you are now. The cross rode the chicken. What did I do? I, I messed up the order. You know what I'm trying to say, right? The chicken crossed the road. There's an order to communication. There's an order to everything. In fact, maybe you never realized this, but there's an order to music. In fact, all of music is in order. Isn't that right, Janice? Isn't that right? Okay, I, I want to, I, I saw an illustration. In fact, I saw another pastor use an illustration. I want to manipulate it and use it just for a moment because, Janice, would you help me out for just a second? Give it up for Janice. Janice is one of the greatest human beings, individuals you'll ever meet in your entire life. Um, music has an order. In fact, if you were to play notes, in consecutive order, can, can you play notes in a consecutive order? Just go ahead and play something. Okay, very well done, right? How many of you know you would have messed that up? That is called a, does anybody know? A scale, right? That's a scale, one through eight, according to the Nashville numbering system. We won't get into the keys, I don't know them all, which you did, but one through eight in sequential order, okay, that's order, creates a scale, right? And so we know that, but if, if you showed up at church ready to worship and um, all we did was play this order, come on, I just really sense the presence of God right now. Can't you just feel it? Just, you'd be like, gosh, this is, I'm gonna go to another church. This is, I can't sing to that, right? So maybe the, that creates a scale, but, but we're looking for something different. What if we changed the order just a little bit, okay? What if you played one, three, seven, six, five? I don't know. Does that, does that feel like anything? No, no. What about uh, two, eight, six, four, one? I don't, I don't know. I'm just, anybody have a, a sequence you want to throw out? Do you have a sequence you want to throw out? There's not a 9 and 11. Never mind, Pastor Russ. I should have known better. Uh, okay. Um, what, what have you tried? Let me, let me get another one. Um, seven, six, five, three. Okay. Do that, do that one again, seven, six, five, three. That, now that feels like it has a little bit more order to it, to me, I don't know. Do it again, seven, six, five, three. Okay, I wanna, I wanna do something a little different. Do seven, six, five, three, five, five. Now that's, I don't know, that's kinda starting to sound like something I remember hearing when I was growing up as a kid. Can you do it again? Uh, this time, can you, just the rhythm on the end, seven, six, five, 
three, five, five. Do, do that. Okay, all right, do that again. Do that. Just keep doing that because I feel like there's something there. Do it. Do that again. Do that again. Come on, just keep it going, would you? Wait a minute. Is anybody feeling something? Is anybody feeling something? Or is anybody feeling something? Can you do it, but throw in the left hand just because I just say, there's something when you add the left hand, the bass to it, but seven, six, five, three, five, five. Good. Oh, yeah. Does anybody know what this is? Come on, y'all know. I know we don't live in Alabama, but sweet home Alabama. Did you know that was seven, six, five, three, five, five? Come on, give it up for Janice. I was trying. I know it, it's not a, a worship song, but that's what I used to worship too when I was a teenager. I wasn't around when, when they wrote that. Okay, Leonard Skinner, just please understand that I'm not that old. But what I was trying to say is that when you get the right order, something beautiful comes out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you've got the right order, it creates something masterful in your life. Can I suggest to you that the reason why so many of us, when it comes to our finances, feel like our world, our life is out of order, it's because it is. When you feel chaos in your finances, when you feel stressed and I don't know if we're going to be able to pay for this and you're getting in fights all the time and everything is like beating heads with your family, your spouse, whatever it is, your kids are always asking for too much and they don't understand the strain that you're under. Now, that might happen anyways, but listen, what I'm saying is this. It could be that you don't have a money problem. You have an order problem. Most of us think, no, I've got a money problem. If I had more money, things would feel better. Some of you have been saying that to yourself for 30 years. If we just made a little bit more money, then things would feel better. If we made a little bit more money, then I'm telling you, we would not be fighting like this. This is the source of the tension. I would argue and say that it's not a money problem. It's actually an order problem. Because we learned something last week. Matt, you want to talk about order? Whenever we do a series, we do an order with it. Last week, we learned something really important. We, we learned that God owns it, and I do what? Okay, I didn't know how many of you actually tuned in online. So if you missed it, we said that God owns it, I manage it. And most of the time, what we want is a blessing, a supernatural, or a supernatural stimulus from heaven... But what God says, we learned this in Luke 16 last week, is that until you manage what you already have, don't expect God to give you more. And if we can understand that maybe it's not about how much money, but what order we put it in. In other words, you could be saying, well, I only make $25,000 a year, and if I made more money than this, God's saying if you would manage the $25,000 well, then perhaps maybe I'll open the door for you to reach 50000 you see, you've got to learn to manage it first. And then today, I want to talk about order. How do I put my finances in order? If you've got your Bible with you or an electronic device, whatever you use to lean into God's word, would you get it out? I want you to open it or turn it on to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13 is the second book of the Bible. And um, I want to talk about order matters. I believe that order matters. Order matters. Can you all say order matters out loud with me? Say it. Order matters. By the way, if I just started reading someplace in the middle of a book, in the middle of a chapter, without giving you the context, you would get confused. Why? Because order matters. Now, Exodus chapter 13 is a very important part of the story of the Israelites when it comes to order. This is a moment, if you at all familiar with a nation of Israel that ended up living in Egypt for 400 plus years, 430 years. And so God brought them out and they were living enslaved. And God sent Moses a deliverer and he performed uh, these miracles, God did. And finally, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, allowed the Israelites to go free. And God was going to lead them to the promised land. 
And Exodus 13 is a really important moment in this journey because it was their first step. It was the first moment as they're leaving Egypt, getting ready to follow God into a new way of life. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 through 4, let me read this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. He said, The what offspring? Can you all say that word out loud? The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals. He said what? Say that phrase with me out loud. He said, It belongs to me. The firstborn... God told Moses to tell the Israelites belongs to me. Verse three, so Moses said to the people, this is the day to remember forever. I think it was pretty significant. He said, the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast. In verse four, on this day in early spring, in the month of Abib, you have been set free. Now, What God told them when he was taking them out of slavery and into freedom, before he really even steps into the blessing with them, before he takes them there, God had to help them get something. He he had to help them. He said, look, before we get into all that, I need you to understand something. He said, the firstborn, and oh, by the way, this was such a significant thing for the Israelites that they reworked their entire calendar around this moment. Abib is the first month of their year, the Jewish calendar. God said, the first thing you need to know is that the first belongs to me. Dedicate it, consecrate it, set it apart, it is mine. Now, we learned something last week that's a larger principle, right? What do we learn? That all of it belongs to God. Everything you and I have, right, we learned this last week because at the end of the day, and you can argue with me all you want, but the moment you die and you're buried, you take nothing with you. Everything is left behind. And so we learn that God owns it all. He does, and I manage it. But now God begins to establish something about the first. He said, but there's a part of it that I want you to set aside that is not even yours to manage. It's the first. It's this concept that I believe that God wants us to get today. And that is this, that God gets the first. God gets the first. I would write that down. God gets the first. In fact, can you all say that with me out loud? God gets the first. Say it like you actually mean it. God gets the first. Why does God say, I get the first? Let me tell you why. Because God wants to be first. God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be first in my life. And here's what I know about all of us. And some of you will probably try to kind of on the outside, you'll kind of say, no, 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 this isn't me. But here's what I know about all of us. Deep down inside, we all want to be first. I want to be first. Some of you go, no, you know, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm good with being last. Okay, Jesus, I'm glad you're here. The rest of us normal people like to be first. I have a real problem with wanting to be first. Like I'm ultra competitive, there's something inside of me. You know, I wanna be first when you pick people for the team. I, I, want, I wanna come across the line first. I wanna beat you and then turn around and stare at you and say, who's for, I do wanna do that, I messed up, okay? I, there's something about, I just have a sick problem. I want to be first. I want the blue ribbon. I want the biggest trophy. Now, listen, a lot of us today, we we won't maybe admit it, but we all do, right? We all do. And it's funny because today in our culture, we, we, we lie to our young kids until they reach a certain age. That's why they're so confused. Because we tell our young kids when they're playing little, you know, four year old soccer and T ball, we say it's not about winning but it's about having fun. And then they get older and they discover really fast that it's not about having fun, it's about winning. I'm so appreciative of my good friend, uh, Pastor Matthew Johnson, he preached here not long ago. Um, I saw something he posted this past week, somebody uh, made some comment on social media about it and my wife had told me about this and uh, about winning and you know, we're just here to have fun. 
And he posted on there, he said, well, actually, I have told all of my kids that winning is more fun. And I was like, finally, somebody honest, right? Listen, what, what I'm trying to say is that God feels that way when it comes to our relationship with him. God does not want a bronze medal in your life. He's not really interested in taking ribbon, a red ribbon home. God wants to be first. What I'm trying to show you today is the order matters to God. If you don't think order matters to God, can, can I show you real quick that order matters to God? Because a lot of people go, well, if, you know, if I, I just love God. I know, but God actually cares in which order. The order actually matters to him. In fact, um, how do I know that? Because God said that specifically. I, I can show you this because when he took the Israelites right after this moment to a mountain where he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, these are the top ten. So like, I mean, there was other laws, but these were the top ten. Like there was a priority, there was an order to things. Do you know what the first one was? Can, can I tell you what it is in Exodus 20, verse 3? God said to them, this was the first of the Ten Commandments. Some of you probably know this. He said, you shall have no other gods, what? Before me. What's God saying? I don't do second place. I don't do third place. God said to the nation of Israel, no other gods before me. I want to be supreme in your life. I want to be first. I made you, and I want to be first in your life. Now you think, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay, that's, that's the, Jesus actually said the exact same thing in the New Testament. He just reframed it in language so that we would not see it as a God to be worshiped in servitude, but rather a father or a God that wants to experience relationship through us, with us. That's why he said in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus had replied when asked what was the greatest thing you could do. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he said in this, in verse 38, this is the what? Everybody say it out loud. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is second. Jesus was saying what? There's an order. There's an order to things that God cares about order. And we see it. God cares about order, why? Because it illustrates love. This is why God cares about order. And, and what's interesting to me is that in our culture, we've kind of twisted the order of even love. Today, you're gonna, not gonna hear, love God first, love your neighbor second as you love yourself. No, no, that's not popular. Today, instead in our culture, what you're gonna hear is this, love yourself first and then you'll be able to love God. You can't love God well if you don't love yourself. I would argue that if you would start loving God first, it would actually change how you see yourself and you'd begin to love yourself different if you would get the order right. Order matters to God. I would argue that order matters to you as well. I know it does because the reason why some of you got a divorce is because things got out of order in your marriage. You know, he, he, he loved his career more than he loved me. She loved the kids more than she loved me. The moment we get things out of order, it brings chaos and stress into our lives. And so God says to them on the first day of freedom, I want freedom in my finances. God says in the first month, this is the first thing you need to know. I get the first. And not in a way that is like demanded. What Jesus showed us through this is that it's because of love. In a loving relationship, if you do not put that person first above other things, are you really even showing them that you love them? You're not. And this is not just about finances. Please hear me, that's why I said when we follow Jesus, this is about every area of our lives. God says, I wanna be first. I, God says, I wanna be first in your time. I don't know if you do this or not, but could I just encourage you? 
This is something I do in my life because I feel like I want to honor God with the first part of my day. So the first thing I do when I get up is that I spend time with God, reading his word, praying, talking to God. Why? Because I know that if I honor God with the first, that he will bless the rest of my day. By the way, I want to congratulate all of you for being here on the first day of the week to worship God, to prioritize. See, this is why I believe these matters, these moments matter, is because you're actually prioritizing and saying, God, I'm going to honor you when I could be sleeping in. I'm gonna honor you when I could be making more money. I'm gonna honor you when I could be playing golf. Okay, maybe not in this winter right now, but I'm gonna, by the way, can I, can I tell you just an interesting thought? You, you, you may not know about this stuff, but as a pastor and when you kind of like measure everything, Attendance is always higher in the winter than it is in the warmer weathers. Guess why? It's because I could go out and do something else. But when you understand that God says, I want to be first in every area of your life, you'll understand this is not just a financial. This is, this is God saying in our relationship, I want to be first. And why does this matter so much? Let me tell you why, and here's why you wanted to know. Because God blesses those he's in relationship with. What's interesting to me is that so many of us, we say, I believe in God. But we operate our lives outside of a relationship with God. And faith becomes a belief structure rather than the foundation of a relationship with a loving God. And then in the same breath, we say, I want God to bless me. I'm outside. I don't have a real relationship with God. I mean, I believe in God, and I may come to church, but that's it. There's no real, like, rhythm. There's no real time. There's no real relationship with God. But I hope he blesses me because I believe in him. That would be like being a, a, of European uh, citizenship, your uh, German nationality, German citizenship, hoping that the U.S. government gives you a stimulus check. It's probably not going to happen. You can check your mailbox all the time, but it's not going to happen, right? Be because God blesses those he's in relationship with. And so how do we show God that he is first in our finances? I'm glad you asked. I want to show you that today. Because God gave the Israelites a simple standard or a method for how they could honor him, how they could put him first in their finances. The first, giving him the first. In fact, he went on to say this in Leviticus 27, 30. He said this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. Now, this is going to look real similar to what I read to you in Exodus 13. He said, what belongs to the Lord? It is holy, that's the word separate. Don't hold on, that's, de that's dedicate. This is, this is just like Exodus 13, guys. Exodus 13, he said, the firstborn of your flock, the firstborn of your family belongs to me. Here he said, the firstborn or the first fruits of your crops and your fruits belongs to me. And he used a standard of measure because I think a lot of people were saying, okay, God, well, I'll give you the first, but I don't know what that looks like. And so God told them a tithe. Now, how many of you have heard of the word tithe before? Raise your hand. Just hold it up. You see, I, I think a lot of us have, but listen, I never make the mistake to believe that everybody has because I've actually preached through God's word on the tithe before, and I've had people come up to me and go, what's this tithe thing you're talking about? I've never heard of it. Tithe is, is a, it comes from a Hebrew word that means a tenth part or 10%. And so what God was saying to them, this was the first that the first fruits, that would be the first of their harvest. You see, they were an agricultural, uh, you know, society. And so they would plant stuff and then you'd wait and then you'd harvest. And you're like, good, I'm hungry, I'm ready to eat. And God says, no, 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 but take the first fruits. And he says, it belongs to me. God says, I get the first. A tithe is the 10%, but it's not just any 10% because we learned in Exodus 13. It is the first 10%. Now, now, I am so grateful to God that when he invites us into a relationship and how we can honor him and I, that he makes it simple and he didn't say the first 7.53468.9% belongs to me. He said 10%. It's real simple. So listen, let's just say you did some chores around the house and on Friday your parents gave you a $10 bill. 
okay, other than thinking, my gosh, is this all I'm worth? But you got a $10 bill from your parents. That would mean what belongs to God the first, the first $1? This is this, you guys are smart, so smart. I'm glad you're gifted. I really am. Uh, let's just say you kind of worked some odd jobs as a 15-year-old and that week, and, and you went to your grandparents' house, and they had you doing all kinds of stuff all week long in the summer, and they gave you $100. And they gave you $100. How much would God say in this, set, this setting measure belongs to him? How much would it? $10. $10. And then let's just say you get a job, and you're 23 years old, and you just got out of college, and they're going to pay you $1,000 a week, $52,000 a year. Hey, that would be a great job right out of college, right? Hey, Amen. I would take that any day of the week. If that you got $1,000, how much would God say belongs to him? 100, this is easy, right? Let's just say all of a sudden they walked in one day and said, we want to give you a huge raise and we want to pay you $10,000 a week. Hello? I'll take it, $10,000 a week. How much would belong to God? (laughs) Some of you just threw up in your mouth and just... I can't give $1,000 a week to God. Are you kidding me? God would say... Would you rather go back to $1,000 a week? What would you, what would you rather do? See, here, here's the thing when it comes to the tithe, and I, I want to just, I just want to say something real plain. There's a tension inside of most of you as I talk about this. There is a real, there's something that makes us uncomfortable. I know we can do the math, and we're like, oh, okay, I got this, I got this. But there is a tension inside of us all when we hear this from God's word. How, how do I know that? Because statistically, what we know to be true is that only about 10% of people who claim to follow Jesus actually give a tithe. Which means 90% of you don't like this message very much. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to share with you the order that God gives so that you can find freedom in your finances. I know, you, I know that's, a, that's a better clap so everybody thinks I'm one of the 10%. I know that's what that is in that moment. That's okay. There, there's a tension, and, and let me just say this. I, I don't want this at all to ever feel condemning because I want to just say for some of you who are following Jesus There's a tension because inside there's something in you that is screaming, yes, I want to do this. I do love God. I want to show God I love him. But then you look at your finances and you say, I don't see how it's possible. That's the tension. And I want you to to know that I empathize with you on that. Because I think that tension comes in a lot of us because maybe we were never given a model for how to manage our finances the way God wants. And the only thing that we have ever known is what our culture has said, which is live better, live bigger. You know, as you get more, buy bigger, buy newer, buy better brands. That's all we've known. And so whenever we have been blessed, we've ended up consuming it all. And then we find out, wait a minute, God says, I, I, I want to be first in your life, and then there's a tension inside. Maybe you never had this modeled from your parents. Maybe you you kind of, this has been a a tension inside of you because in one sense you're like, I know and I really would love to honor God in this way, but I just don't feel like I can. Perhaps there's a point to that. What I'm trying to say today is this. The truth is it takes faith to give God the first. It takes faith. See, we would talk about faith all the time, but faith means I trust in him. It takes faith to honor God with the first, but I, I need you to hear this part. Malachi, this was another moment where God was speaking to the nation of Israel. And I want you to hear this part because I'm not trying to sensationalize this because I think sometimes when it comes to finances and the church and some people have kind of sensationalized this, God wants you to be rich. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying today is that when you order your life in the way God designed, you're inviting him in to bring blessing in every area of your life. And God spoke to the nation of Israel, Malachi chapter 3, when they had turned away from him. 
And I want you to hear what God said to Malachi 3, verse 7. He said this, Ever since the time your ancestors have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? I want you to pause for a second. Notice the language is about relationship. This is not about money. When it comes to our finances, we go, oh, it's just all about money. No, with God, you need to understand it's deeper than that. God says money is just an indicator of what you worship. And he says, you've turned away. If you'll return to me, I'll return to you. This is about relationship with God. And so he says, return to me. In verse 8, God speaks up and he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? And here's what God responds in tithes, in offering. I know this is strong language. What do you mean I'm robbing God? See, if you don't understand or believe that God owns it all, and I manage it, and that God says, I want to be first in your life, this will make no sense to you. It feels like strong language, and this is from God's perspective, heaven's perspective. He says, the way I see it, I said that first belongs to me. And when you keep it and put it in your pocket, your bank account, what you don't understand is that you're taking from me what I declared is mine. You're robbing me. How? He said in tithes and offerings. An offering is above the tithe. Those were moments where they came together as a community to do things and to serve and to help others and to feed the poor. This is beyond it. Look at verse 9. God said to him, you are under curse. Your whole nation, because why? You're robbing me. Now, I know when we hear that, we think of voodoo, and we think of like, okay, so then, you know, like, is there a little doll, and so God's going around, and he's stabbing the little doll, and all the time, and I got aches and pains, and no, 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 that's, that's not what this means. See, when, when you see curse from God, see, God doesn't do evil, not that kind of cursing. It's God's supernatural resistance. It can be God removing his hand of protection. It could be God supernaturally resisting in your finances. Why would God do that? Because he disciplines those he loves. That's why. He says, I'm going to resist blessing you. I want so badly, but I'm going to hold back because you're robbing me. It would be like if you as a parent find out that your 13-year-old is going in your purse or wallet and stealing money from you. And then you find that out, and the next day they come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, can I have some money because I want to go buy this? What are you going to say? Heck no. In fact, you can spend the day in your room, right, because you're going to resist them. That's what God's saying. But then here's the blessing and the promise that God gives in verse 10 through 11. It says this. God said, bring the whole what? Everybody say it. Bring the whole. Come on, say it like you know it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse there may be food in my house all throughout God's word we find out that God's house is the place where you worship nothing else it was the place that you worship he said this test me in this says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty can I tell you this is the only place in scripture where God challenges us to test him why because he knew it would be so hard for us he said test me It takes faith to give God the first. It takes faith to honor God with the tithe. But here's what God says. You want to talk about stimulus? He says, when you do that, you are positioning yourself so that I can open up the floodgates of heaven. And I'll pour out blessing so much that you have room to even contain it. And and a lot of times we picture in our minds, money, money, money. God's going to rain money from heaven. I would argue it's not always God raining money from heaven. God says, sometimes I'll just prevent the pest from devouring your crops. Sometimes I'll show up in other ways and bless your life. God says, I want to bless you. But listen, you've got to get into the flow of it. you got to get into the flow of it. Now listen, um, I'll close with this. I, I know some of you, you're 
you're listening today and you're like, I, I don't know if I believe the Bible. That's okay. I'm all right with that. But what I can't deny is my own story. I just can't deny my own personal story. My wife and I, we got married when we were really young. And we made a decision. We were just becoming adults. And we made a decision that we would always honor God with the first 10% of what he blessed us with. That was on the gross. Why? Because I won't put a government above my God. And, and so we, we made a decision. We're going to put God first. We have lived that way our entire adult life. And can I just tell you, I'm as someone who's standing here after doing this for decades, you couldn't get me to go back. I, I, at one point, I, I did this as a little exercise, just trying to guess throughout the years. I went and added it up. Whoo, it was a lot of money. And 25, my gosh, it was a lot of money. And guess what? It wasn't wasted. I wouldn't take it back in. You couldn't pay me to take that back. Why? Because I continually see God's blessing in my life all the time. Can I just tell you just about a few things I've seen God do in my life? This last fall, this was really awesome. I had a friend who, uh, through his construction contacts, uh, he was given a free trip with his wife to Aruba. And he called me out of the blue one day last fall. And he said, hey, Pastor Tim, he said, I I have this trip to Aruba, but my wife, her schedule, she's a teacher, that it's not going to work out. And I was driving and I was, he said, I think he was driving. He said, I was, I prayed. I said, God, what do you want me to do with this? And he said, so I called you. I said, God put my name in your head. When, when that happened, talk about supernatural stimulus. He said, would you and your wife like an all-expense-paid trip to Aruba? I said, hello? You don't even have to ask. I said, yes, on the spot. I'll take it. I'm just saying, it doesn't always look like that. But I just look back at, God, thank you for that. I don't need that, but you blessed me anyways. I, I think about, like, a couple years ago, our hot water heater went out. So how is that a blessing from God? Well, it's not. Our hot water heater went out. It was about seven or eight years old and uh, well out of warranty. And I contacted the company anyways. And I said, this isn't working, but it should be. And why isn't this working? They said, I don't know, but we'll give you a free one anyways. And I got my hot water heater replaced for free, even though it was outside the warranty. Now listen, I could just say, you're lucky. Or I could say, I'm blessed. I've got a washer and dryer that's going on 22 years. My wife, I think, is intentionally trying to break it so she can get a new one. But every year we keep saying, how does this thing keep running? I know some of you have had an appliance for three years and it broke. Now, I'm not saying that's because you're cursed, okay? I'm just saying in my situation, I see God's favor in my life in unique areas. We have cars that are older, but they run, and I'm so grateful to God for that. We have a house that's amazing that we were able to build. Oh, oh, by the way, all the time that we put God first. You know, I could have paid for that house with cash over those years, but you know what I would rather do? I would rather walk in the favor of God in every single area of my life than to withhold from God what is rightfully his because listen the greatest blessings I have experienced have not been financial it's that this spring I'm celebrating 25 years of marriage to my wife and I'm grateful that she's my best friend today I've got two amazing daughters who love Jesus do you know how rare that is today I've got, a, I've got a sophomore in high school that cares more about following Jesus than being cool with the rest of the kids. I've got a son-in-law who loves God so much who just got brought into full-time ministry at our church. Can I just tell you, I am blessed beyond blessed. Because I believe that when I honor God and place him first, I'm saying this because some of you, I just want freedom for you. When you put God first, I know, I know there's a tension inside of you, but I remember what 
the testimony we heard of Brendan and Julie. That can be your story. If you honor God, some of you, that's going to be a challenge today. You're going to wrestle. I pray the Spirit of God shows you this is how to order your finances. Order matters to God. Come on, would you all stand to your feet? Let's pray. I just, I believe that God wants to, he wants to speak to you if you'd let him. In this area, I'm going to call it specifically an area of finances. How many of us have said, God, I love you so much, but then our actions don't really line up with what we say? I love God. Oh, I believe in God. I know, I know. But God says, why am I not first? You have no other gods before me. You ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Father, I, I pray. I, I don't, I pray there's no condemnation here. I just pray, God, that your spirit, Lord, is speaking to every person about putting you first. Listen, maybe for some of you, it's not about money. Maybe you do honor God with the tithe. You were shown that model growing up, and you just made it a rhythm, and you did. That's awesome. But maybe it's your time. This is a bigger principle. God says, I want to, I get the first. Would you give me the first of your day tomorrow? Would you, instead of the news, would you give me the first of the day tomorrow? Would you do that? I, I don't know, maybe if you're watching this right now, maybe, maybe you've never made God first in your life. You see, to try to operate and put God first, but you've never surrendered to him as Lord will be a constant struggle in your life. But if you would just say, God, today I'm going to place you first. And I don't know if maybe if that's you, if you're watching this, if you're in the room right now. But I wonder if maybe some of you, what you need to do first is surrender your life to Jesus. Say, invite him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? You say, today, God, I, I give you my life and I want to make you first. I want to honor you with the first of my life. Jesus, would you be the Lord and the Savior of my life? Today I submit my plans, my future. God, to your hands, forgive me of my sin, but today I'm making you number one in my life.